0: I had a dream a week or so ago. This was a dream that happened before this special session of General Conference. Now, I don't think I've ever started a sermon out this way before. I had a dream. Uh, And I don't usually remember my dreams, but a week or so ago, I did have this dream. I dreamed that I was changing the words on a church sign. It wasn't really our church sign. It was just a church sign. I was changing the words on a church sign. And yet every time I walked away and looked back at the sign, the words were the same that it was before I changed it. So I'd have to go back, change the words on the sign, I'd walk away, turn around, the words were the same. They had not changed. I kept doing that again and again and again. Couldn't get out of this loop. Now, I'm not a big interpreter of dreams, uh, but it is clear in the midst of my naive hope for this general conference, of the United Methodist Church, I obviously did have within me a deep worry that we would not change that we would not make things new, that we would not move forward with a new word for all god 's people as I wholeheartedly hoped we would. The United Methodist Church, our worldwide denomination by a slim majority of people within it decided to hold on to an outdated, misinterpreted, inappropriate, misguided, hateful, badly understood word of God this past week. We had the opportunity to make a statement and 53% of voters there were so desirous of holding on to power, so willing to give in to fear that they did not hear the word of God saying, Do not be afraid. They did not hear the word of God saying, Proclaim to the world my message of love and the fully inclusive, fully justice-seeking gospel that Jesus came to invite all of us to live within. And because of those delegates' inability to move to a vision of a new reality for God's purposes to be accomplished, this slim majority has to ter- try to contain God's love for itself, like groups have been trying to do from the beginning of time. To control God for themselves. Which is why our Gospel passage from the ninth chapter of Luke, talking about the Transfiguration, which, by the way, was actually the lectionary for today, is perfect! for us to look at this morning. Peter wants to control. Peter wants to keep God's message in Jesus for himself. Peter, James, and John up on that mountain with Jesus, and Jesus is transfigured. He is changed in order to prepare him for the ministry that lies before him, For going on to Jerusalem and to be crucified, to be resurrected. To go into the world and all of its messiness and its struggle and its heartache. And Elijah and Moses appear on the scene in the midst of all this action. Peter says, hold on. Let me just build a few homes up here on the mountain. And... We can stay right here and not deal with the change that God invites us to participate in. We can stay here removed from the true call by God to go and to work for love and to work for justice and to work for peace and to work for hope. But then a voice from heaven comes. This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. I might go on a limb here, but that is good advice. Listen to what Jesus has to say. The advice that Jesus gives. But the reality of that advice is that that advice Peter knows will take them and it takes us into the world into new realities, into this imperfect world, this broken world where God's light can seem to appear a little dim at times. Where we are asked to reflect a light which isn't easy at times to share and to bring change into this world. Because we cannot remain where we were before. That's the message that Jesus tells to Peter. That's the advice that Jesus gives to Peter and gives to us. We cannot remain where we were before. We cannot remain where we are now. That's the gospel message for you today. Not just for the United Methodist Church. That's the gospel message for each of us today. Because each of us, in our own ways, have our old way of thinking, have our old way of behaving, have our old ways of acting. The question is for each of us will we open ourselves up to be transfigured with Jesus? To be open to the changing, revel- revelatory gospel the good news of God's love for all, and understand what that means for us today and what that means for our future together. That's not an easy task. It's why Peter would rather stay with the status quo. Stay comfortably where he is. It's not an easy task, like for Jesus, who goes on to the crucifixion, from this point. It can also lead us to suffering and to heartache with us losing a lot before we resurrect the love of God in our midst. You know, I have to say, when I read this passage about the mountaintop, I I can't help but thinking about climbing Mount Monadnock as a boy with my youth group, with our youth group, with my, with my father as the pastor. Uh, boy, did I grumble all the way up, I tell you. I grumbled a lot, I think, uh, with him. But just as an side, I raise him up today. Because many years later, after that climb up the mountaintop, my dad led the Austerville United Methodist Church 30 years ago to become the first reconciling ministry congregation in New England. So I had to just shout out to my dad. And the saints of the church that has gone before us, some still with us, some not with us anymore, who believed in the church we could be. But anyway, back on that mountaintop, I, I crumbled all the way up that mountain. But when we got there, it was really good. And I, I liked it up there. And you looked around, you saw things, and it was just lovely up there. And, I, and then my dad would say, okay, we got to go. And I'd say, I don't want to go. He goes, we got to go. And I'd say, I don't want to go. He said, we got work to do. And I said, but it's so easy up here. So breezy up here. The message from Jesus today and the message from the saints of the church who have struggled hard and fought hard, who hoped and believed that maybe the journey would be over by now, but understand, understood well the struggle of that journey. They say to us, just like my dad said to me, you've got work to do, we've got work to do. James said it clearly faith by itself without works is not only dead, it's barren. Faith without works is a waste. It's wasting the gift of faith. And we've got work to do. No matter what we do within this place, even no matter what we might do within the United Methodist Church in general, There is work to do in this world that we live in. The United Methodist Church simply is reflective of this world we live in. Whether the vote was positive or the vote was negative this past week, whether we made a little progress forward or have taken a little step backward, the reality of the call that Christ makes to us in our lives, that Christ makes to this church and its ministry, is we've got work to do. We've got work to do in this community. We've got work to do in this nation. We've got work to do in this world who enabled it to be the loving, the beloved community that God calls it to be, that God yearns for it to be. So as a denomination, we are, no question, in a difficult place, but we have, I need to share with you, so many people who know who we are, who hope that we will continue to put our faith to work day by day, week by week, in the midst of this church. I just want to read a couple of the notes I got this week One of them from Reverend Melissa Pace from the Open Table Dinner Church that meets on Tuesdays in our church that we host. Serves the LGBT community, serves the entire community. She writes, Friends of the United Methodist Church. She writes this to you, the longer letter. I'm giving you one piece of it. She says, Friends of the United Methodist Church, you are going through a tremendously difficult process that I do not... claim to fully understand. What I do know is that you are loved and that you are full of love. I have been fortunate enough to witness the loving ways you put your faith into action, and our community has been blessed by the warmth, passion, and vibrance you bring. Open table is small, but we are mighty, and we have your back. Anything we can do to support you, local or otherwise, at this time, we are here for you, And we are here with you, just as you have been, here for us and with us. And another note I got from Florence Forbush, who is the leader of the Boston Area Transgender Support Group that meets in our church, who actually, without me even asking her to do so, read the letter I wrote to the church family about how we would continue to proclaim the good news of God's love and never stop proclaiming it. So she read that to the group and she said, I appreciate, again, a piece of what she wrote, appreciate what you wrote and shared it. Many people expressed happiness at seeing the stance you continue to take. It does mean a lot to not remain silent and to actively speak out for inclusion. And many other notes, emails, letters received from folks around understanding, asking for us to be strong, knowing who we are as a church, saying we know that this does not define you, that you will continue to work to bring change into our world, loving, fully inclusive, justice-seeking change. People have expectations of us. People believe in us. Just like God called down to those disciples, God asks each of us to listen to where Jesus is calling us, to what Jesus invites us to be involved in. You know, someone said once that there are four things you can do with your hands. You can wring them in despair. You can fold them in idleness, you can clench them in anger, or you can use them to help. You can use them to help someone. You can use them to bring change to this world, one person at a time. So as we gather for communion in a few moments, and as we, those of us gather, who can be here for Ash Wednesday and receive ashes, This marks us as Christians. We receive a sign of our own repentance, of our turning to a new relationship with Christ, transfigured, you might say, offering to us transfiguration in our lives so that we can enter into a new relationship based on God's love. Now this week you might not receive ashes on your forehead, but what matters most What matters most is the way I hope that people will see something and feel something that will mark you just as clearly. I hope people will know you are a Christian and know you are a Harvard-Epworth Methodist by the way God's love moves you through heartache, through bumps and bruises that we might face individually or together I hope people see that you are marked by God's love, by the love which shines through the way you impact others' lives, for the way you are committed to bring change into this world, and by doing so, bringing change into your life. And that's where we go. That's what's important. That's where we go out into this world. What happens in here, what happens within these walls or within the, the, the metaphorical walls of the United Methodist Church mean nothing what means everything is the way you take what you know to be the gospel truth of God's love for all and you bring that word and you bring that truth and you speak it not only with your words but you reflect it in your heart you show it in your hands and you live it out in your actions Thank you for helping us do that together. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come before you on this and every day. We come before you with fear and with faith. We come before you with uncertainty and with trust. We come before you committed to listen to the needs of this world and for your message of love to be proclaimed through our lives and through this church and to work for it through the muck and mire, work for it through the heartache and disappointment, work for it Through the hate and hurt, work for it to be a resurrecting people. Thank you, dear God, that you give us the blessing of this place for those who serve within it and for those who serve from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now please join me in singing, standing and singing on page 2172 of the Faith We Sing hymnal, We Are Called.